listen for a little bit. Just let the Lord speak to you, Lord minister to you, Lord minister peace and wisdom.
grace that he was given was to proclaim. It was to proclaim to uh, the world that was compromised or compromised. It was it was it was made up more of Gentiles far than anything else, and that was his field of work. Raised a Jew, Jewish Jew, Jew guy, and yet God said, "I'm, I'm going to send you to the Gentiles, and then eventually you're going to stand before kings." There's something about this grace working in this man that was leading him to a purpose. The purpose that he had for Paul was not because of his pedigree and all the years he spent as a young uh, man in his culture, learning the culture. Because the culture will eat us and, and digest us if we live and move just from our culture. But what Christ does in our life is he changes us and our culture now comes from heaven. It's a kingdom culture. The kingdom of God. Jesus came preaching the kingdom of God. He wasn't preaching, you know, the that, hey, come look at the museum of how great God is. Look at the gallery of how great God is. No, he came and brought the testimony of the Father right here. Came among us. Emmanuel, God with us. And what he did to, to complete that and to work that in our lives is an amazing thing. And that purpose that he is talking about here, this, this grace given to preach, was about unfathomable riches. There's something about uh, the, the place sometimes we find ourselves, you ever find yourself just operating with the Lord kind of out of your own wallet, out of your own reservoir, out of your own savings account, out of your own knowledge. Man, I'll tell you what, and we always feel like we're lacking. But God wants to move us to a place where we operate out of his wallet, out of his abundance. You can jump down with me to verse 14. It says, for this reason, He's bowing his knees before the Father. He's going to pray. All right, here in the Bible, the Bible uh, has a lot of prayers uh, in it. I like that. Here's a prayer. Here's one of them. He bows, he's bowing his knees, but he's bowing his knees to the Father from whom every family in heaven and earth derives its name. When I, years ago, was a, a young student, uh, we got to the place where I studied anatomy. And you start out studying anatomy by what? Here's a two-dimensional picture. Here's arrows or lines pointing out to what these things are. You begin to learn anterior and posterior. You, you, you begin to learn how to take a look at all this stuff, you know. And, and you begin to, when tests come, you, the same blanks that were pointing at this particular part of the body, you then begin to fill that in with the memorized uh, pieces and parts, all right. Uh, and you progress through time to where you actually do uh, cadavers. You actually take apart human beings. And I was a new Christian with it. I mean, it was like fascinating. It was like awesome. Uh, it was formaldehyde city. If you've been around formaldehyde, I would come home and Julie, you know, Julie would say, man, just stay. Uh, we weren't married yet, but she would just say, man, stay over there. Because it would kind of seep into your clothes. I mean, it was not, it was not good. All right? I didn't eat meat for like three months. All right? It was just, uh, the, the, the amazing part was you would be looking at this, 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 this body, and you began to see not only how amazing it was, but you were, you were actually 
really looking at it from a, a place where you delve down deeper and deeper, and you saw how it worked as a whole. See, folks, for most Christians, it's become the I, me, mine club. God bless me. God help me. God direct me. God show me. But there is this, this kind of this vaporish sense of the body of Christ and who she is and what she does. And we, I was talking to somebody a couple weeks ago, and they were trying to tell me there's this, this ecclesia is one bank of the river, and the church is another bank of the river. And I was like, where did you get that? I don't, you know, they're the same word. You can't say this bank and that bank are different banks because we want our culture of Christianity to be more true to us than the word of God. He wants to bring us back to this place, this foundation, not even bring us back, establish us in the foundation of this, how this work of Christ works in us, in this prayer, to produce in us this accomplishing ability, this, the, all the ingredients to get things done. He's saying to this, in this prayer, that God, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory. Glory is God manifesting who he is, showing us who he is. And sometimes we learn the things of God, kind of like the early anatomy classes. Here's the two-dimensional uh, information about God. And then you learn how to fill in kind of the blanks. But he wants to do it. He's talking about this three-dimensional, this fourth dimension of the kingdom of God, really, of this fullness of God, that he would grant you what, according to the riches of glory, to be strengthened with power. The word strengthened means that you're enabled for something. See, strengthened sometimes, listen, folks, we, sell, we, we get strengthened too cheaply. We want to be encouraged a little bit. We want to be okay with ourselves. And once we get that, then we're like, oh, I'm better. No, but this strength that he's talking about is heaven's strength. And it comes in power. It comes in this, this work that begins to what? Bring us to the place where we're now able to be participants in actually bringing, being a participant of the kingdom of God. And he says that not only would we be strengthened with power, but it would be through his spirit. Somebody has to be involved to bring us strength. And the strength shows up in our inner man. As you take a look at what he's saying, it says he's strengthened with power through, the, through his spirit in what? The inner man. We have gotten so used to sometimes living in regards to the soulish human being. The emotional part. That's definitely a part of who we are. But we need to go, we need to let God fill this place in our life, this inner man, because the inner man is not subject to our five senses. The inner man is not subject to getting older or to being young. We see in the Bible that Josiah was chosen to be king of Israel. He was eight years old. I don't know about you, but I'd be a little nervous about an eight-year-old king. <coughs> Mordecai was a cousin of Esther who raised Esther. Do you want your cousin raising you? Now, my cousins would not be raised like me raising them. But it demonstrates that God is able to
to put inside the inner human being this change, this difference. And the noise that the outside of us makes, the, the appetites, the hungers, the distractions, all that kind of stuff, we think that's us. No, what's us? And the us part is deeper than that. It's that part where we pass away. We'll what? Man, we won't experience death if we know Christ. We'll just step from, it says, to be absent from the body is to be what? Mm -hmm. Present with the Lord. That, that's it. I was with my dad when he passed away. And he'd been a Christian like four months at 89 years old. I told him, I said, man, you don't know how to do this part. You, you have no expectation of what it is. But dad, you're just going to step from here to there. And when you see his hand reach for yours, just reach your hand out and take this. That's as hard as it's going to be. There's not going to be any struggle. There's not going to be any fear. There's not going to be any darkness or I'm separate. It's not going to be any of that. My dad didn't struggle one bit from here to there. It's amazing to watch. But there, in verse 17, and here's going to be our effort. It's anatomy. This anatomy of this work of God, the fullness in us, the fullness through us. He says, so that, so that, if you want to know what it's like to experience and walk in the fullness of what God has provided for us through Christ. And you need to become folks that let this word, this word, get inside your inner man. Because he's talking about a so that. That this so that Christ may dwell in your hearts. What? something God gives us to, to receive and believe what he says. It's just that simple. We don't have to have assurances, experiences, and something we can touch and feel to operate by faith. Faith is able to hold on to what God says because God said it. And it's not a struggle. See, how, so how many of us are working so hard to to be faithful and change and be like what God wants us. It's, it's, a, it's a fruitless battle. Yeah. The only change that we can do is to receive what he says. And receive it in our what? Inner man. The inside of us. What's the difference? How do you know that you've not just received it mentally or in a soulish way? It's because when we receive it in the inner, in the inner man, our behavior becomes how we perceive things. I was, man, I, I, didn't, I didn't like school. In high, high school, grade school, grade school, they, I brought home every, you know, the grade cards where you drive, I'm on the bus, and I'm thinking, I don't want to give this to, to my parents. I don't want to give my report card to my parents. Because it says the same thing the last one said. Rick never works up to his potential. Every time. Well, I got through life is because the inner man of Rick Richter, man, it wasn't set. It wasn't, it wasn't at peace. There was no foundation in my inner man. In, the, in my inner little kid. There was no peace there. I had a great family. They treated me well. I had friends. There was nothing that I was, in, I was deprived of anything. But I 
came, got to college, became a Christian. And it was the shift. It wasn't me shifting the shift. I wasn't being shifty with the shift. It was this change that took place that really had, it was more observable than it was like trying to convince myself I'm different. I was different. I was different at the root of who I was. I wasn't like what I thought I was. I wasn't what? I wasn't who I thought I was. I was different. And it came across in little bitty ways and in big ways. That there began to be peace in my life. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. See, your heart, it says, guard your heart, for from it come the issues of life. Man, your heart, the inner man is talking about. It's something that we need to be not aware of in terms of trying to, trying to control this, but we need to be aware that it's there. And all of us are. There's been points in your life where you've gotten up, you've, you've grabbed the fact that there is you that is deeper than the you that you live by. And you begin to find yourself in this place that you're starting to operate by faith. You're starting to let go of all the things that are back here that said you were this or you were that. And it's not even a place where you're trying to find a better you. Man, you're, you're, you're finding you by having faith in him. And you begin to walk in the circumstances that would have corked your pistol before, would have messed your mind up. You begin to be involved in tough situations that before would have made you flee or fight. You're now in a place in your life where you begin to see that it's God that's at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. That's Philippians 2, 13. For it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. The tra trajectory of your life has changed because Christ dwells in your heart by faith. The little place in life that you would have been satisfied, the box you would have crawled into and let that box define you, now is no longer a quest. It's something that God is doing that is making you an alive human being, an eternally alive human being, a kingdom alive human being. And he says this, he says that what? He says, for this reason I bow my knees. Verse 17, so that Christ, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts. But he says this, and that you be what? Rooted and grounded in love. In discipleship, folks, this is the most arduous trail in helping somebody learn the person of Christ. Because either we have no problem loving people, or either we have no problem kind of loving ourselves. But the love that he's talking about here doesn't come from a source that has to satisfy the, the need to be loving to people, and it doesn't necessarily have to satisfy this need that I'm okay. This love of God, this, this being rooted and grounded, how do you expect to change the world if you have no roots in God's love? It will never happen. It will never occur. The love of God is not teddy bear, I'm okay, you're okay love. It is the sacrificial blood of Christ that is what drank this cup of, of wrath for you so that you could be restored to the Father and live a life with different inner man innards. 
You get a different gizzard. Yep. You get a different foundation. You get something different. And if you've got one, you need to start exercising it more and more. Because it's by this work, this, this founding, this rooting, this, this, this... Have you ever been in the mountains and hiking and you see this gigantic tree that some storm had happened and man, as huge as it was, just went like this. Just toppled over. And yet, if you look at those roots, because it's in the mountains, those roots can't get down into solid rock. So those roots spread way out there in the shallow dirt. But when that wind and that storm comes, even that huge tree has no stability. To be rooted and grounded in love is that you know in your knower, you know in your inner man, God loves me to the extent that that was his motive in approaching me from the first piece. God so loved the world. His motivation was always this, that he loves us. But this love is a rescuing, restoring, reconciling love. It's not a love where I just soak on the fact that God loves me. It's a love that picks me up and moves me. I want you to go with me to uh, a, a chapter I've talked to a lot of you about, and that is the, this book of Judges. Go back to Judges. And it's the sixth chapter. Judges 6. And what we see here is a beautiful picture of how God changes the inner man. Because we see in the first uh, ten, ten verses here that this guy, this young man Gideon was born and lived in a culture. And this culture uh, came about, or the, the, how this culture worked came about because Israel as a nation began to give way to what others thought, to where other kingdoms were. They began to give, give way to how other, other kingdoms <coughs> worshipped. They began to give way to other kingdoms thinking because they thought, we're not contemporary. We're like old, we're like old bogeys. We're like, we're like stuck in the past. And they began to separate themselves from the person of God. They still held on to the outward observance of the things of God, but the inner man was no longer attached to the person of God. And time goes by, and the enemy, God says, listen, because you want those things instead of me, I'm going to let you experience what it's like to be without me and get along. And this army, this nation, would rise up and come at the, not at the harvest time, when things have been harvested, and they would take everything, and they would fill the valley. There'd be so many of them that they would, they said they'd be innumerable. And the enemies would come, and the people, the people of Israel, what they did is they hardened their heart toward God. They said, God doesn't like us anymore. We've got to get by on our own. And what we need to do is we have to make do. You ever been there? You ever fill in the DNA with a little frog DNA? You ever done that? All right. That we, that we, that we, that we trust God. We know he's going to do something, but we make choices, and we, and we have behavior that's more out of us. It's more out of the soulish mental part, nervousness, or uncertainty. We've, 
we've, we've lost this thinking, this reality, that God will help us and direct us. And so we fill in for the parts that we don't understand. And so Gideon, he's a young guy. And because they've had to live with banditos coming all the time to take their goods, they've had to find ways to live and to eat. And so they would live in caves, they would take part of the harvest and sneak it away in the, in the, in, during the night, and they would store it here and store it there, so the bad guys didn't get it all. And that became what they lived from. And we see this scene, now the scene is set, that a wine press, this wine press was something that was into the ground, Okay? It had been used to taking the abundance of the harvest and, 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 and squishing the, the juice out of the grapes and making wine. But now it was empty. Now it was just a place to hide out and thresh a little of this harvest so that you could have a sandwich tomorrow. Gideon is down in this wine press. In verse 11 of Judges 6, it says, Then the angel of the Lord came and sat under the oak that was at Ophrah, which belonged to Joash the Abizarite, as his son Gideon was beating out wheat. See, this encounter here, this change of the inner man, is going to happen in your house. All right. You're not going to have to go to a special meeting, and you're not going to have to do a special prayer, and you're not going to have to go through this special exercise to show God how hungry or willing or whatever you are. This happened at this at this wine press at Gideon's dad's house, his house, the house he grew up in. And he was beating out wheat in the wine press in order to save it from this innumerable Midianites. In verse 12 it says, The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, The Lord is with you, O valiant warrior. There are moments like this where God will say something to us and it's so out of the box then it's like, man, I am having a hallucination here. I have, man, I should not have had the anchovies on the pizza last night. I am like experiencing something that is out of the realm of the norm, but my understander is not grabbing it because the inner man was compromised and shoved down, and this person was living out of just that soul part of his life, the, sense of the, the senses part of his life. The situational parts of life. And God says to this guy, you're highly favored. The Lord is with you. What? See? What? How can we live by faith? Well, when God speaks to us, we're challenging on his, we're challenging his character. We're challenging him about what he's saying. We don't even know it's him. In verse 13, he says, Then Gideon said to him, Oh, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? If and why? That is the, that is the, that is the rallying call of, of, of an inner, of the, not the inner man, but the inside of us who is not operating out of faith from believing God. Why and if? Why did this happen? I went to church twice this week. You know, I, 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 I sent my mom a Mother's Day card. I, 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 I've worked at work, and I've done a pretty good job there. Why would this happen to me? I'm such a, you know what? Or, 
Now, are we getting into this thing where we say, well, it's just always something comes up. Just about the time you get the sink fixed, the car breaks down, and just about the time you get the car fixed, the kid's off, off messing up. And we all, why? If. Where are all the miracles which our father told us about? Saying, did not the Lord bring us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has what? Man, this kid had been taught this word. But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. The Lord has done something to where he's taken away this favor. He's taken away this covering. He said he'd never leave us. He'd never forsake us. But he did. And the Lord looked at him. Man, whoa, don't you like that part? See, we were saying, man, your face is all I see. Well, sometimes we actually see his face. All right? The Lord said to him, what? What's the first word he says? Go. He says, go. Go. Get up and move. We fight momentum. We create our own. But God has a momentum where he says, go. Get up. Go in your, this, this your strength. And deliver Israel from the hand of Midian. He's telling them, this guy, your purpose in life is to deliver. Your purpose in life is to be a messenger and a warrior to set free a whole nation. And this kid was trying to stay in this, this wine press to figure out how today's meal was going to go. His world, his inner man was so pushed down, so forgotten, that all he could see was this work. Listen, folks. You all are gifted, but your giftedness, folks, is not going to fit in a box. It's not going to fit in a box. As soon as you try to back into that box, it's going to say, this is your job, and this is your future, and this is, if you just do this, it's all going to be well with you. If you believe that, and you give into that, your giftedness can't move from this grounding, and it cannot move from this foundation of love. Does that mean you shouldn't have a job? You should, but the job should not have you. Amen. We need Christian architects. We need Christian doctors. We need Christians that are in every part of our culture. But it's not where they are a, a doctor who happens to be a Christian. They're a Christian who happens to be a doctor. It's a different way of living. You bring to the world the glory of God. Don't let your inner man be so compromised that your the light that you shine has your initials on it. Because what happens in this community, they're not looking for us to go to church. Your neighbors did not wave goodbye to you as you left your house today saying, man, have a good time in church. They could care less where you're going. But they should see the evidence of where you've been. Yes. Amen. That there begins to be something in our time and our day where what God has purposed us to is much higher than your intellect can get. It's much higher than what your attitude can get at its best. It's much higher than what happens when you have your best effort with your best attitude. It's much higher than that. He's saying, Gideon, your purpose is to deliver a nation. Because I'm going to use you as a one 
one guy with no credentials to do something that people in all their compromise couldn't do. But it's not so that I can judge them and wipe them out. It's so that they will be lifted out of that mire. See, it just takes one. But their job isn't to what? Be one that we can exalt. But their job is to exalt the rest, to bring them up. To involve them in this deliverance. Go. Strength and deliver. Have I not sent you? God is telling Gideon what he's always thought about. He's not making this up in the moment. Hey, you know, you're, you're highly favored. You're a warrior. He's, he's saying this to this guy. He was always that. But, but Gideon wasn't listening. And Gideon, and Gideon said, verse 15, he said to him, Lord, how shall I deliver Israel? Behold, my family is the least in Manasseh, and I am the youngest in my father's house. We can describe the encounter with God, but we describe it from the box we've been stuck in. We're the least, we're the worst, we're this. I have no strength. I'm, I'm scared. I don't know how to share my bed. We explain to God why we won't because of how we see ourselves. We look at God and say, I will not. And we let the box begin to be our life. I'm the least, I'm the youngest. But the Lord said to him, Surely I'll be with you, and you shall defeat Midian as one man. What is one human that's reconciled with God? What can they do? They can deliver a nation, they can be that spark. Why are we looking for other sparks? We're the spark. Amen. Right. We're the kindling for this bonfire. Amen. Surely I'll be with you. Wow. Isn't that the same thing he said to Moses? Same thing. Same thing he's saying to you. He doesn't say I'm going to be with you yet. Or I'm going to be with you maybe. Because to be rooted and grounded in love, nothing and nobody, and even ourselves, we can't take away from our inner man the reality that God loves us. Loves the world just as much. The love is not to be consumed on me and my need for love. This love changes us, folks, and says, Go. Yes. Get up. Move. Yes. Move toward that work. Move toward discipleship. Move toward getting to know my neighbor. Find out who God is and spend time with Him. You're going to then love what He loves. That's right. So Gideon said, What? If now I have found favor in your sight, then show me a sign that you would speak to me. Now, some people disdain this guy for that. I honor him. <laughs> All right? Because what? He softens enough to say, okay, I'm teachable. He softens enough to say, I can be the learner. He softens enough. And what does he do? He does like Lazarus. Jesus came to the tomb of Lazarus. He'd been buried there for four days. Everybody is crying. He cries too. And then he says, man, remove the stone. And everybody, even the sisters are saying, Lord, 
King James, he stinketh. Right? Smells. That would be in a session offense. Roll the stone away. So they do it. So what did Jesus say? Lazarus, come forth. That's it. And then there's the greatest, one of the greatest sentences in the Bible. It says, he who is dead came forth. See there? There's a deadness that he's solving with life. There's a reality of truth in the inner man that he's solving by approaching us, by this anatomy, by, 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 by this work of God. Where he, be, where he says to us, he says that this, 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 that this Christ would dwell in our hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, what? We'll hit this more next week. May be able. It's an amazing thing. The body. This. I mean. I mean, you scratch your nose. That's a miracle. Your pancreas is working. I always bring up the pancreas. Pancreas and I are big friends. Yeah. But it's the body. Do you have the love of God that goes beyond you and rolls into a love for the body of Christ, that rolls into a love of human beings, that rolls into being equipped to make a difference? Does love roll that way, move that way? Is God telling you, man, go, get up, get out of yourself, get over yourself, and begin to move? And by move, he doesn't mean get busy. He's saying to this, can you obey me? Will you? Will you submit to me? Will you let me? Will you spend time in this word? And for a season, stop reading Christian books just for a little bit. They're not bad, but they're pre-chewed truth. Go to the truth. And tell God I don't get it. I read the Old Testament as Behezabeth begat Mabuzabeth. I, I don't get it. It's numbers, it's all that stuff. But Lord, shine the light of revelation on me so that no longer do I have to depend on the bald guy with the mustache to tell me the word of God. I can go to God for myself and not be independent, but become an active and living part of this body. Today we're going to have, we're going to, we're going to do part two, part two next week, all right? Um, but today, uh, we're going to have, have communion, we're going to uh, take our offering here, and uh, we're going to spend a little time with, with the Lord personally, uh, but also, let this be an exercise for us of go, to go. <coughs> some strong guys uh, bring communion over where mine. We need, uh, we'll do that in a minute. <laughs> now look at me. No, you're, you're good, Joe. 
Now look back here, look in the back. And here's Julie and here's Jason. They are going to help us with the offering today. <laughs> Man, that's a great picture. I like that. Come on down. We're going to have communion today in a, in a little different way. Um, let's pray for our offering here. Lord, we just thank you, Father, for your uh, uh, character. Because, Lord, you, you can never run yourself dry. And, Lord, when we know you, that's true of us, too. And Father, I only have $18 in my checking account. But I have the oceans of the provision of God. And so, Lord, we just thank you for that. We just honor you. Change happens, folks, on the inside. This is nourishment for the inner man. That's what it's designed for. That we celebrate what he did. We celebrate who he is. And we celebrate his return. So I want us to just, just, you can just come out of your seat. If you want to get communion and take it back and have communion with somebody else, and that's okay. If you want to take it, just for you, that's okay too. But there's there's few of us that we we just kind of come out of our seats. Come on down.
they have something on their heart that they believe God wants them to share with the rest of us.
Yeah. Cool. Okay. Um, I'll just slip past you so I can deposit all my <laughs> junk. <laughs> Has the verses 17 through 19. Okay. But everything else is in here. Um, is you know, use it. So it's like, hey, I'll leave it there. So. Because so, there are other references, but he never actually. Okay. Went to so them, click so. on that so I can look at the songs. Oh, sure, yeah. Um, scroll to that here. So we start off with My Redeemer Lives. Okay. And then that's an office in the middle there. And then Standing in Your Love. So these in here are for... Um, Those are the announcements. Announcements. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. where are they? They are... Uh, I'm sorry. That's right. So um, 1 through 7 is announcements. Yeah. Um, and then my redeemer lives also on there. And then 13 and then through... Yeah. yeah. And... Uh, 19. And then second song. And then third, third song. song. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's when we kind of ended on before the message. Um, oh, Lord, you're beautiful. Okay. Uh, and then yeah, the rest is... Yeah, 31 okay. is... Um, 31 is his title slide. Okay. And then the next one is those verses he published. Okay. Uh, okay. Yeah. So... Do you mind uh, staying here just long enough no, to make no. a switch off of the music on that iPad and stuff? So that I don't... Haha. Do you know what I'm doing? 